The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I want to go the distance. And he's going to. It's a 5-3. Raise the Jolly Roger in a masterpiece on August 28th. Johan Oviedo, a two-hit shutout in Kansas City. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. We are back. It is a big week. A lot going on in the world of Pirates baseball. We got college football back this weekend as well. Uh, but I think the Pittsburgh Pirates might be officially back. Ah, they're into the 60-win mark at this point, though, with a sweep of the Kansas City Royals. Johan Oviedo, a two-hit complete game shutout. We're going to talk about that tonight. Talk about a lot of different kinds of pitching that we're seeing. Mitch Keller appears to be back as well. Uh, Andre Jackson has found it. This has been incredible to watch here. And, um, you know, even some minor league pitching on the docket tonight as uh, as Kyle Nicholas into the bullpen and is looking like a new man as well. As we get it started tonight, guys, as always, go follow us on Twitter at Rumbunter. It's one click and it's a whole lot of fun over on the bird. Or excuse me. Follow us on X. I'm still struggling to, to make the transition there. But check us out on X and check us out on Rumbunter.com. All kinds of articles out covering the later stages of this season that, uh, you know, for quite some time, I don't want to say quite some time, but for a little bit there in the midsummer, we thought it might be another 100 loss season. But now, guys, uh, it's looking like we're going to be able to avoid that mark. And that is because of a lot of great pitching that we saw in Kansas City. A lot of great pitching that, you know, carried them into that series as well. Uh, Before we do that, guys, I, I don't know if you saw the article Probably since the last time we recorded, the news that uh, Livy Dunn had become a Pittsburgh Pirates fan came out. We got another one, Hannah White, and uh, we talked about it before we started. The three of us, I don't know if we could say we're super knowledgeable about Hannah White and her Cleveland State basketball career, but um, she's easy on the eyes. And that's another big Pirates fan, another big influencer that uh, is going to help spread the message. So all kinds of good news as we get it started, gentlemen. It's been a weird season. And there's some stuff that, uh, you know, hasn't been quite as fun. We're going to talk about tonight as well. 
how are you guys doing? How is school going? And uh, how are we feeling tonight? Yeah, yeah to call it a weird season, season. Uh, sums it up well because it really, it really has been. You know, twenty and eight in eight or twenty nine in April, and then you just look completely incompetent in May for a lot of June, and now you've kind of settled back out. They're twenty and twenty in their last forty games. So, uh, yeah, it's been a weird season for the Pirates, but uh, yeah, you know, school's going well. I'll uh, Friday. I'm sure by the time everyone's listening to this, it's Friday. I'll be finishing up my first full week and ready for a nice long weekend of college football and crock pots and beverages and a whole lot of nothing else. But uh, yeah, can't, can't complain. And, you know, especially if the pirates continue to play well through the month of September, because, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere this year, but like I said, they're 20 and 20 in their last 40 games. If they can put together around 500 or so in September and go to the off season, having played strong baseball over the course of that last two months, two plus months, you're that's going to, that that's about the best thing you can hope for considering where this team was sitting at and in going into the all-star break. Yeah, things are good my way. Uh, school's been uh, off to a great start. So, you know, just like um, Marty said, the, the Pirates playing better baseball of late has been refreshing. That's for sure. Um, starting to see people like Oviedo and Mitch Keller returning to form. Like it, it's been like Marty said, something to look forward to. Hopefully they can keep playing well in September. They'll be able to add a couple guys to the roster uh, officially tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But, you know, overall, you know, we have about a month left. And, you know, hopefully this team can continue to be encouraging down this stretch. You know, we're looking at a, a potential 13-game improvement. I think that's the pace that they're on right now from a season ago. It will be uh, a 27th losing season since 1993, it's looking like as well. But, hey, there's some positives. And one of that, one of those, I guess, is Johan Oviedo. That was our call to open up the show tonight. A two-hit, complete game shutout. Kansas City, uh, you know, maybe not the most formidable baseball team at the moment but um how about the effort guys and, and how about Johan Oviedo battling all season and I, we've seen it I don't want to call it a roller coaster because you love what you've seen stuff wise all year but um you know regaining the stride here in August and uh and looking excellent what are you guys thoughts on that shutout Johan Oviedo yeah you know you mentioned that the Royals are a bad team but at the same token I'll say that hey if a guy is a good starting pitcher is a legitimate you know like middle of the rotation guy like you hope Oviedo is. That's what they do to bad teams. So, yeah, you know, you mentioned Johan Oviedo. The stuff's been there all year. Um, he, he's made 27 starts. 38% of the runs he's given up came in four clunker starts. In his other 23 starts, he's got a 293 ERA. So, I mean, I know his ERA is north of four. was a 4.20, I think, actually. But um, – it's he's pitched much better as a whole this year than his ERA. The guy's still only 25. It's his first full season in the majors. It's his first full season as a starter since like 2019. I know we've mentioned before, but the Cardinals did him no favors with his development. Um, so when you factor all that in and consider that, you know, he's, he's consistently taking the ball every four days or every five days to the pirates. He's averaged almost six innings per start. He has more starts allowing one runner less than any other starting pitcher in the national league. Um, yeah, you can't erase those four bad starts, but Hey, every pitcher is going to have those. And if you get to the end of the year and you make 32 starts and you have four to six really bad ones and the other 26, 27 are really good. 
every team in baseball would take that from every single one of their starting pitchers, especially a guy that they think is a more of a middle of the rotation kind of guy. But yeah, I, I would argue that Johan Oviedo has been easily one of the top three most positive developments this season. One of the top three just biggest highlights of the entire season has been the development of Johan Oviedo. Yeah, I think that's something we talked a lot about uh, going into last offseason was how a lot of people wanted to bookend him to the, the bullpen. And we were like, why? Like he he pitched. I can't remember how many starts he made down the stretch, but it was very similar last year where he had, you know, probably more good starts than bad, but he, the, he had like one or two bad starts last year. I remember, I think one against, uh, I want to say it was Toronto, uh, lit him up pretty good. Uh, but after that, like he was fine, but yeah, people were ready to put him in the bullpen. You know, it's just, it just shows like, it, you know, these things aren't going to happen overnight. Um, this is a, uh, advanced, uh, league you know there's a lot of good baseball players in this league and that's kind of what i want to piggyback on with the royals yeah they're they're struggling they're not great but you know they still have some dangerous hitters in that lineup um bobby Witt, obviously sal perez like you know he he turned through that lineup nine innings worth so to be able to go through a major league lineup um that amount of times you know it, it, it doesn't matter um you know, how good or bad they are. It's super encouraging from, like Marty said, a 25-year-old uh, starter who is, you know, just starting to progress as a starting pitcher. So, you know, I'm happy with that. Like you said, Marty, it's a bright spot for sure. And, you know, hopefully that he, he can just continue into, you know, this last month uh, and finish and get maybe get that ERA under four. Just a few bad starts. I mean, it's, um, you know, it is derailed that ERA, but there's still a chance that that is realistic by all means. Uh, and, you know, I think as you look at this pitching staff as a whole, somebody highlighted a tweet today. I don't know who's tweeting Marty or, uh, or Nick from the Rumbunter account, but, um, you know, at points in the season, it's felt like there's really two starters that you can rely on. And even at times, that wasn't the case. Mitch Keller coming out of the All Star break struggled mightily. Obviously, uh, you know, we, I think for a moment there thought, well, you know, did we miss that, that window of trading him at best value? Did we miss, you know, the chance to get some return for him? Is this the Mitch Keller we're going to see for the rest of his career? Is he back to what we saw before? Uh, you know, we kind of figured it out there at the end of 21 or excuse me, uh, you know, in the second half of 22 into this year. But, um, you know, the past few weeks, we've seen that same Mitch Keller that we got at the beginning of the year, the Mitch Keller that was selected for the all-star game. And, uh, you know, Marty, that's got to be all because of Oscar Marine, right? Yeah, you know, I, I know we joked about it before going on the air, but Mitch Keller goes outside the organization, gets help, and is, has an all-star season. Key Brian Hayes turns to the batting coach at A Altoona and all of a sudden looks like one of the best two-way third basemen in baseball. But, I mean, that's a conversation for another day. But, you know, the only – I don't want to even call it a red flag caveat – concern whatever you want to say with Keller and this turnaround is it has been with Jason delay catching um and moving for the rest of this year Jason delay his quote-unquote personal catcher whatever 
But in 2023 and beyond, 2024 and beyond, excuse me, you got to figure it out with Andy Rodriguez, man. Like, Andy is the future catcher, obviously. I know that's not a huge deal. That's something they have all offseason, all spring training to work on. I'm sure to get worked out. But that is the only little asterisk or whatever I'd put with that is that this offseason, you take Mitch Culler, you take Andy Rodriguez. Grace, you can throw Johan Oviedo with them if you want, and you connect them at the hip, and they become best friends, and they have the greatest whatever connection, whatever you want to call it in the world, because he's got to learn to pitch to Andy Rodriguez. Yeah, like you said, it's super encouraging to see him um, getting back to form. You know, it, it definitely was a little concerning. Like, you know, were, were we being typical uh, of, you know, getting excited about having something nice and then realizing we're pirate fans and we can't have nice things, right? So, yeah, but to see him rebound is what, again, what they needed. Um you know, I think maybe we could point to the management around Mitch Keller coming out of the All-Star break um, as, to, as to something that might not have helped him. You know, that he threw one inning at the All-Star game and essentially didn't pitch for, what, like 10 days or something like that because then they, like, pushed his start back after the break. So I don't know that was kind of weird to me. And so it was like one of those, once he kind of got back into rotation, he started to fall back into form. So, you know, then like you said, Marty, the other thing here is like, you know, this whole, these pitchers going outside the organization and, and hitters for that matter, but pitchers, especially, you know, you, you mentioned obviously Keller, but we know uh, Burroughs did it as well. Um, it's something that Quinn Priester, I thought did a couple years ago and I don't know if he still is doing, but he definitely looks like he could, you know, maybe go back there. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's a little, it's an old, it's starting to get old. I don't know. It's like, what are these coaches on the staff doing? It's like last year we got O'Neill Cruz flying in his own hitting coach. Like clearly something's not working here. You know, we're not, we're, we're hoping to win 70 games this year. You know, it's like our best players are going outside, like going outside of the dugout. And I don't know yet. It sounds like they want to not make any changes. It's, it's just crazy. (laughs) Do you think that's common at all though? Like, do you think for some of these guys, it's like, well, you know, this is a guy that I worked with in my home country and this is, is there a situation where you're going to have a hitting coach and a pitching coach that is just kind of a catch-all and, uh, you know, pleases everybody? Or I guess, is this is this a unique situation? You know, is this something that you gentlemen think happens around the league? For a guy like O'Neill Cruz to, to fly somebody in. I think that it definitely, like, other players have done this. But I don't think as much as we're hearing – about the pirates coming out of one organization, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Like there is something like you said, a, a hitter who just can't get out of a slump. He's going to call his old hitting coach to see if he can get, get it figured out. Right. That, that makes sense. But not whenever you're hearing this about, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our players. And, and, and then you, and then you start to see guys like Ro- Roanzi and Ortiz take steps back. And it's like, 
I don't know. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, it's something that's more in, in the pirate organization right now than I would say in others. And it's classic and not surprising. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it's not uncommon for guys when they're struggling, like you said, to kind of call up the old to catch pitching coach or, you know, guys in the off season to go, back home rather that's somewhere in the dominican rather that's somewhere here in the states wherever it may be and work with that hitting coach that pitching coach you've known forever but a lot of times that's more of like hey i want to stay fresh in the off season or like hey you know i want to tinker try something different with my fastball it's not oh i can't get a major league hitter out to save my life let's try and fix me you know that that's where like you said, Nick, that's where it's concerning. Like everybody, every team has guys who do this, but very rarely is it someone needing to like completely quote unquote fix themselves. Like I said, it's usually, Hey, I'm going to say fresh this off season, or I'm going to start throwing, you know, a cotter, or I want to add maybe a little bit of a toe tap to get some more power. It's minor things. It's not, I need to reinvent myself to save my career. Like we've seen with the fire. A lot of times it's like veterans doing that stuff who, you know, it's like you said, it's something that, Hey, like, you know, I'm not as young as I used to. I need to get my foot down sooner type of thing, yeah. you know, not, not. I mean, I've been around forever. The league's adjusted the way I pitch, the way I hit. It's time for me to adjust back. Let's go work on that this off season, you know, not, not um, Hey, like, you know, I'm one foot out, out the door of major league baseball. Yeah. And if I don't figure something out, and clearly I'm not going to figure it out with the people here. So that's, that, I, that's where it's alarming. It's is. like, just like getting me more and more irritated talking about it. It really is. And, and like, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. But to me, it's especially the hitting thing. Cause I think to an extent, this pitching staff, like there's just not a lot of talent there. There really isn't. It's like, but, there's, there's positives and negatives. It's, with the pitching staff but like so, this the lineup i think can be in a position to be halfway decent next year but i don't trust andy haynes in the least bit to get it i mean andy haynes nearly derailed christian yelich's career for god's sake like he, he never should have gotten another job after he's run out of milwaukee for what he did to yelich but, but yeah, yeah yeah just yeah, move, on, move on move on i'm angry oh you know it's like maybe this offseason too these guys did go and visit their their old coaches or guys that they're comfortable with and uh they came back and maybe that's what led to the 20 and 8 start and then the pirates coaching caught up to it um I'm like my dad uh tweet of the week i don't for better or for worse here just wanted to feature this one while we're on the topic uh, our guy matt uh cole on twitter uh at m cole 15 he tweeted that he asked Jason Mackey what the percentage chance that Andy Haynes returns as the hitting coach for the Pirates next year. And his answer was 99%. Um, this is troubling, gentlemen. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's coming at a time where, you know, it, it obviously has to turn the corner next year. Um, is this realistic? I mean, our friend Jason Mackey, we need to have him back on here soon. We will. It's been a little bit too long and excited to break down this whole season with him. But um, you know, how much accuracy is there in that? Do we, is there a realistic chance that, that Andy Haynes, you know, it is all peachy and everybody returns next spring? I don't think that. I think Jason, you know, is reporting what he knows 
and is being told right now based off of how he operates Jason that's very much like how he reports like he's not going to do any speculating per se with in that scenario so I don't I'm not I mean I'm a little concerned about it just because it does seem like there's been a lot of complacency with this um, overall um, regime, but it's one of those things like, you know, if if Jason Mackey went on Twitter right now and said, yeah, I don't think he's going to be back. Like, you know, that's going to also cause, cause a big stir amongst everything. So, you know, it's, it's a decision that maybe hasn't even like been made yet. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just something that they're going to talk about at the beginning of September or, you know, they decided, Hey, like we're, we're not going to do it during the season. You know what we're going to evaluate at the end of the season. So we'll see. I, I, I would have a hard time in imagining that, they bring Haynes back after the last two, you know, years. And like Marty said with him um, struggling with the Brewers, like the track record's not good. And, you know, you're, you're, your fourth losing season here in a row. Like someone's got, someone's got to, someone's got to go. Right. Like. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Someone's got to go. I, 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 I don't know. Here's my question, okay? Okay, Let's say Andy Andy Haynes is fired. fired. Do you you trust Eric Shelton? That's what I mean. And I said, I don't even... even, I think I dislike Shelton a lot less than a lot of Pirate fans do because, you know, he hasn't always exactly had the cream of the crop to work with. And I know I said this early in the year when they got to start, they did. This is the best roster he's had, and he's having the best season he's had. I think he's a great clubhouse leader. I think he's great for team, like, chemistry and culture and that sort of thing. But he ultimately, he's the one who brought in Andy Haynes. He's the one who brought in Oscar Marine, you know. So is the faith and the trust there in him to be able to find a good replacement? That That's as much – I mean, like, I know we just – It is – Coming on, but just promote John Nunnally from Altoona. You know, the players, the hitters know him. He apparently has, like, single-handedly gotten Cabrian Hayes turned around. I, I don't know, but I, I'm with you. I think ultimately Haynes probably is not back. Is that who Cruz flew in? I don't know. I just know that Key talked about working with Altoona's hitting coach to help him help get this sorted out. Yeah. I mean, I mean – the thing with Derek Shelton, like you said, there's a lot to like about him, but you know, and it, it's hard to like root against him, you know, in terms of him being a manager. I want him to work out, but it's just like the same repetitive problems. And we saw that, you know, even before Andy Haynes. So, like you said, do we trust Derek Shelton to bring in the Derek Shelton and or Ben Charrington to bring in the you know, the right staff, you know, and how much of his, how much of it is also Derek Shelton's philosophy that he is pushing to his staff to, Hey, this is, this is the approach I want our team to have. And then, you know, from there, the, the pitching coach and the hitting coach aren't conveying it or, 
that or Derek Shelton's philosophy is flawed, you know? And unfortunately that's like not an easy thing to get answered, but you know, someone, someone's got a, someone's got to answer to it, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, at a certain point, and it's tough too. Cause I think if you're comparing sports, it's like baseball is hard to get that gauge. If you look at football, it's like, well, this guy runs a certain scheme or they've tried to do this. And, you know, but baseball, it's harder because you don't really know what that philosophy conversation is like and, and exactly what, you know, they're getting at the big league level. Every man um, and man is so different in the way yeah. they operate. Yeah. Where, and I think football, it's like a lot more. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Which is interesting because the game of baseball, I feel like, is a lot more uniform on the field, you know, versus a football. But the decision making is is not, you know, and that's where it comes to the like the, the poor. Decision, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is uh, this is a problem, guys. And another I don't know if we're going to call it a tweet of the week. I don't, we can't pick a million tweets, but, um, you know, I, I saw one tweet. We talked about it in our group message a little bit. I don't want to misquote here. This is a tweet from our guy, Deton Pirates. Uh, with 29 games left, hashtag Pirates are on pace for 73 wins. That's a 13-game improvement on last season and ahead of the most optimistic Vegas win totals. Yet it seems like most people view this season as a disaster slash failure. Is it because the 28 start uh, gave false hope to people or is it something else? And, um, you know, I think there's a million things to point to for why people are uneasy, but this is where you start. The fact that, you know, you look at the leadership of this organization and uh, it's worrisome. There's been lapses. We're talking about year four and, um, you know, we have two starters that you feel relatively confident in. Uh, but we can transition here, gentlemen, to some other starters. And um, let's talk about Andre Jackson a little bit, a guy that was drafted I guess originally back in 2014, didn't end up signing that contract, went to college, I think Utah, actually, as we kick off the, the college football season, recording tonight on this Thursday, Utah and Florida, graduated from Utah, uh, was drafted by the Dodgers in the 12th round back in 2017, and actually made his major league debut against the Pittsburgh Pirates back in 2021, struck out Rodolfo Castro. Uh, but, you know, since then, he's kind of bounced around from Oklahoma City, Back to the Dodgers, had a bullpen role this season in L.A. and um, a 6.62 ERA with 16 strikeouts in his time in the big leagues this year. And then he was DFA'd, uh, picked up by the Pirates on June the 25th. This has been a lot of fun. I don't know what has, uh, you know, has made this possible for a guy like Andre Jackson, but it has been electric um, and it's been really fun to watch. What do you think? Uh, the long-term role is for a guy like Andre Jackson. Is this something that we continue to get to see? <clears throat> First off, we dive too deep into Jackson's. I agree. It's been fun, but I will say in some ways, Andre Jackson almost epitomizes why some fans feel the way they do about the season, because you look at where they're at. Okay. We're going into September of year four and we're pulling this guy off a scrap heap and all of a sudden we've taken him from a reliever who couldn't be in the majors. To, oh, hell, he's your third best starting pitcher. Like, after, after deadline trades for starting pitching. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm at. Like, it's the reason I view that – I'll give the Jackson second. I know I'm someone who has just not does not view this season as a success in any fashion. And a big reason I don't is because I've seen zero progression in the pitching and I've seen very little progression in the hitters. And that's why, you know, you look ahead to next year and there's some pieces there, but you haven't seen the progression you want to see. So to circle back to that, that is why I think a lot of fans feel the way they do about the season. Yes, 
They've already won more games, I think, or, or won as many games as they did last year. They're going to finish way ahead of that win total, maybe by 10-plus games. But the reason a lot of fans feel the way they do is because, you know, they were awful last year. It wasn't going to be hard to improve on that win total. Um, but it's just there really hasn't been a lot of progression from the young guys, and a lot of guys we've seen regression. But anyway, for – for Andrew or Andre ja- Jackson, excuse me, not Andrew. God forbid, you don't want to be. <laughs> um, but um, I'd rather see Andre Jackson on a twenty dollars bill. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's last night's start was something. It was the first Pirates starter since I think seventy nine to strike out the first five batters of the game. Struck out seven of the first ten. Um, yeah, just at this point, I tweeted after the game. Let him keep starting every five days the rest of the way. What the hell? You got nothing to lose. You have no starting pitching outside of Oviedo and Keller. You've been doing an opener literally every game. Those two don't start. Um, Just keep riding him and see what he can do. And maybe you have found a diamond in the rough. And if nothing else, you've probably found a guy that can contribute to this pitching staff in some fashion next year, rather that's starting long relief, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to like there in terms of, like you said, just – he probably has a role here. The stuff is definitely electric coming out of his hand. Um, you know, it's one of those things like it'll be interesting to see next year when when he comes back and, you know, all of a sudden his fastball's not as fast, his slider's all over the place, you know, just like Luis Ortiz and Rohanzi Contreras. And, you know, it seems like that's a theme though, right? Like these guys come up and – late in the season and I think it's very hands off and it's like, Hey, just go out there and do your thing. And he's out there throwing his best pitches, going after guys and not pitching to a philosophy. And once they start to get him to pitch to a philosophy, we'll probably start to see him struggle. And I, I can't believe I said all of this because I wasn't even planning on going in this direction, but that's how I feel right now about, about the organization is that it, it really is like, like I'm once the pirates get their hands on them, they like, they go South, you know, but no, uh, to Jackson's credit, like he comes here and takes advantage of, of an opportunity. Um, it's concerning that and this is i guess like where my mixed emotions come from too is like like marty said you know this guy's not here if not for picking him up off waivers like you know where are the actual talents that you know you're you're supposed to be developing through your system you know we're not seeing it and i know there's some coming but it's just not um it's not reasons to be super optimistic <clears throat> and with Oscar Marine, you know, is it false credit also that he gets, you know, for, for a guy coming here and like, like Jackson and all of a sudden pitching well, or should he get credit? You know, maybe it is like, there's a certain type of pitcher that really is going to work with Marine, but it's just a, a matter of finding them. I don't know, but I think if you're an alien from outer space, you you lean on the side of he does not deserve credit for that because yeah. it's obvious the guys that he's he's had for a while they don't pitch very well. The guys that he hasn't yeah. had for very long, they throw the baseball well. It, 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 to circle back to the 
pirate this front office, this regime finding a way to screw pitchers up. While we're at it, let me keep throwing the wet blanket on everybody. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Buddy, okay. Um, Jared Jones has been terrible at AAA. Anthony Salamedo could not get out of the fourth inning tonight for Altoona. And in, in Salamedo's last eight starts, so all of August and every start of July except for one, he has an ERA of almost seven. So, you know, it's like you have these highly touted guys who are consensus top 100 prospects, and the closer they get to the majors, the more and more we see them struggle. Um, Bubba Chandler, his struggles this year have been well documented. Um, yeah, so it's I you can't fault any pirate fan for having no confidence in the ability of this front office to develop pitching. Um, you really can't because outside of Keller, who I am hesitant to give them credit for, because as we talked about earlier, you got a lot of help from outside the organization and Oviedo. There really have been a lot of success stories. Like Oviedo kind of is the one and only and. You can sit there and beat your chest over Johan Oviedo all you want, but I mean, shit, Nick, like you said, Luis Ortiz and Robbie Contreras, especially Contreras, went from looking like I thought Contreras this year by the end of the year would be one of the like top 15 ish pitchers in the National League. And he, it was abysmal, just abysmal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have any confidence in their ability to develop pitching, and I'm not going to fault anyone who doesn't, especially, like I said, just look at Jones and Salamedo. You get so excited about what they could bring you maybe starting next year, and now in the upper minors, these are two guys that are just getting shelled on the regular. It's also to identify pitchers, too. Like, how many trades did they make and bring pitchers back in? And None of them have worked out. None have worked out. Bednar, and, like, I'm not trying to – discredit david bednar but man closers and high they're a dime a dozen to to not get too far into that because we talked about this at the deadline show but bednar has looked exactly like he looked in the second half of last year before he got hurt it is it is crossing your fingers and hoping he gets gets through the ninth at this point and again it's 
like Trey, you kind of said with Mitch Keller, like, you know, should should they have traded him and got the value while they could? I mean, he's he's managed okay more recently. You know, he's gotten through the games and his overall numbers are probably gonna look fine at the end of the year, but I think that's something that we definitely need to consider going forward. Um, but to go back to the identifying pitchers, I mean, Brendan Malone, like, never even touched a mound practically in, in the organization. Um, Omar Cruz Ugh. was the lefty in the Musgrove deal, Great like, deal. literally, like, just, Eddie Yeen and the Josh Bell. Yes, Eddie, Eddie Yeen and Will Crow, too, right? Like, like fellows. Michelle Give him credit really for Johan. You don't know who credit those for are. I don't blame you. Who who did you say, Marty? Great fellows and Michelle Miliano. Oh yeah, yeah. They were in the Frazier deal, right? Well, uh, Miliano uh, fellows was also in the Musgrove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Musgrove deal. I mean, it, it's probably going to be okay because of Bednar and Andy. But man, that thing. If Andy doesn't do it at the plate. That that thing's gonna be a freaking disaster. It was one of those trades that, um, l- looking back at, it was we were like, oh, okay, this was a pretty good deal, but we weren't we weren't we like weren't, ecstatic, you know. We yeah, weren't. We yeah. weren't uh, Louis, that was the big piece in that thing. I was gonna we'll say we'll probably never we'll play probably never. above high A for this organization. It wasn't like the Luis Castillo trade where you're like, damn, that's a good that's a good prospect package, like. You know, there was this was all like, oh, like you should be excited about this guy because prospects, not like, hey, this is their number two prospect. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, you say the guy's name and I get giddy, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, I, it just, yeah, Ronzi Contreras, Miguel Ure, like it, it's been uh. the ability <laughs> of this front office to identify pitching. Again, it's basically been Johan. When they do, when they do, they f- it up. It's great about the fact that Winkler is going to go up with 10 plus potentially. You look ahead to 2020, you're fine. There's no pitching still. You have Mitch Keller and Keller and Diego. Else, there's no other pitching. Maybe you get skeins up in June or something, and maybe Solomon and Jones figure out what the hell they're doing. But history, baseball tells you if one of those three hit, you're doing good because that's how it is with prospects. They don't all hit. Most of them don't. Just There's no pitching. They have no pitching, and that's why there's no reason to believe they're going to be much better next year than a 70-75 to 75 win team unless they go out in the offseason and add a bunch of pitching, which they're not going to do. It, it's sad, guys, because, uh, you know, to start this episode, coming into this, I thought, oh, you know, this is going to be great because we're going to talk about uh, Johanna Vieto's amazing start and Mitch Keller's recovery and Luis Ortiz showing hard work that has not paid off for him and, and Andre Jackson. But you're exactly right. This is a, a desperate situation as far as arms go, especially <laughs> at the big league level, um, you know, looking into next season as well. Do we see Rollins and Contreras in September at all? Yes, um, I mean, I don't know if it's going to go well, but I guarantee we're going to see him. I mean, he's been pitching better at AAA, but his velocity has not been better. So, like, I, I have very little reason to believe he's going to come to the majors and be better. His results at AAA are better, but 
as we saw with Quinn Priester, if you have good off-speed stuff, you can get good result in the minors. You need a fastball. You need a good fastball to be a good starting pitcher in the major leagues. And I don't know if Ronzi Contreras has that anymore. Yeah, whatever they had them have them do in the offseason, they need to completely change it and make sure that these guys um, aren't resting their arms but continuing to build them and strengthen them because clearly – there's something there because the, the velocity was concerning from the beginning of the year Ortiz, the same thing. The velocity was questionable, you know, and, and Quinn Priester also the velocity is down to what we heard that it was, you know, coming out of the 2020 COVID season when he was working at driveline, I believe, since he wasn't able to be at the pirate facilities then, but I don't know. It's, they got to figure this velocity thing out because, yeah. you know, every team has pitchers who throw hard at this point. And mm-hmm. they, they, every, like you said, if you have good off speed pitches, you have to use those off the fastball. Yep. And that's what Contreras really, that's what he has lost. He yeah. his ability to use that slider to, you know, off the, his power fastball hitters aren't um, having as much trouble deciphering it. Yeah. And just that that's pitching one Oh one that's pitching. You learn that as a 12 year old, you, your, your off speed is going to play off your fastball. And just, it's one of those, you don't to be a successful pitcher in the major leagues. You don't have to lean on your fastball, but you have to have a good fastball. You're never going to be a good starting pitcher in the major leagues without an effective fastball. It's just, it will never happen um, for so many reasons. And that's what we've seen. And to me, the fastball thing, Luis Ortiz is what's most concerning, alarming, whatever. Cause this dude was up here last year, September pumping a hundred. Like, it was I, like, I had a friend over during his like first couple starts and he was he, like not a baseball fan. And he was like, who the heck is this guy? He's like, this is incredible. Like, you know, it was eye popping. Yeah. yeah. If I, I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this. I should have looked it up because we're on the podcast and whatnot. But if I remember correctly, last year, Luis Ortiz wound up in like the top 10 or so of major league starting pitchers and most, most pitches thrown at 100 miles an hour or more. And that was within making like five starts. I think like, you're where, right. where did that go? Where did that fastball go? That thing was explosive. Hitters couldn't catch up to it. They, they couldn't. And, and, you know, I, I at first this year I'm thinking, okay, well, hey, he was coming up in September. You knew he wasn't going to throw a ton of innings. Go out there and give it whatever you got, kid, almost like a reliever mentality. But even when he's pitched this year, yes, it's been as a bulk guy, but in relief where he can know, hey, I'm probably not going more than five. I can do this. It's still not there. Like it, 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 The it, effort's it, there. done something. His effort's there. Like, he, he's laboring on the mound. Yeah. Like, he. You know, and it's like you said, it's just not the velocity is not. And it's the same thing, you know, like you said, Ortiz, I think it's even more glaring because of the triple digits. But Rowanzi, you know, he was getting up there, pumping it up to 98, 99 at times. And it's like, that's like five, six miles per hour off now. <laughs> like, it's yeah, not yeah. It's way, like a, way off. Yeah. <laughs> and Johan, too. Year with Rowanzi, it was like, okay, hey, you know what? It's early in the year. You know, we used to see this all the time with Mark Melanson where he'd be throwing way under his average. It'll get there. And it just it never even in April when he was pitching well, it just never got there. And just yeah, I don't I don't know. Well, whatever they're doing with pitching, 
I, I don't know if this is the philosophy from the organization on down Oscar Marine, Radley Haddad, whoever it is, they need a major freaking shakeup, man, because it's not working. It is not working. Rather, it's who they're identifying, what they're doing once they get them here. I think to an extent, I would lean more of what they're doing once guys get here. Um, but yeah, it's they got to figure something out because what they're doing right now isn't working at all. I think you hit it on the nose to their neck. I mean, you assemble a group of you know hardworking individuals, good character guys, and I don't you know. I don't know these guys personally, but you can tell that mentality is there. It's not a bunch of Blake Snells. These are guys that are working really hard to make this to make this happen, and um, it's not an effort thing. It's uh, you know, it's philosophy and, and whatever else, but it is an issue. Um, while we're on it, guys, let's go sour pierogi here. What is uh, <laughs> we've talked about some lows tonight. What has uh, been the lowest moment in your opinion this past week in Pirates baseball? I'm probably seeing Vinny Capra getting starts at the major league level. And nothing against Vinny. You know, he seems like a nice guy. And, you know, good for him for getting a, a chance. And, you know, and last night he, you know, took advantage of that. But, you know, after seeing the way Jared Triolo performed this year, it's just – it's it's you know, and I've said this before, it just reminds me more of the same of the old regime – you know, we're 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 punishing the the players who were being productive and sending them down, and we're we're playing guys who shouldn't even be on the forty man roster. Like it's, it just is very head scratching to me why we continue to see, and it's like the amount that they like try to get these guys in. It's it's just I don't know. It's like I thought we were done with this, and we're not. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. That lineup yesterday, I mean, I know they won the game because the Royals are essentially like playing like a triple A team. But God, that was so gross. Like, like you said, I'm I'm not I mean, I like Trillo a lot as like a backup you super utility defensive guy. You know, I d I don't think he's ever necessarily started in the major leagues, but I think he's got a role in a major league team, which is a lot more than I can say about Vinny Capra. Like, yeah, it's disgusting. But you know, you know, for me I don't know. It's I'll go. I'll go a little off the beaten path here um, for 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 my sour pierogi this week, and I'm just gonna go. I know they pitched well against Kansas City, but this pitching staff as a whole, like like against the Cubs, what what they tried to pass off as starting pitching was like it was the sky. It was a war again. It was a crime against humanity. Like it was horrible. Your Osvaldo Beto is a bulk guy and Thomas Hatch and just like, no, like these guys shouldn't be in the majors. And I understand they got good pitching in Kansas city for the most part, but the Royals stink. And, you know, yeah, yeah just, the, just the, again, I'm just going to continue to harp on the, the current state of the pitching within this organization is disgusting and not in a like, Oh my God, like, you know, pitching ninja, disgusting way. No, in a, I, I'm going to go puke disgusting way. And and the hitting's not far behind. It's just no, it really isn't. Be, it's easier to be a little more optimistic about the hitting right now because yes. the prospects are are here. So, you know, they're they're hoping that that's gonna start to get going. And, and my thing with the hitting too, it's like obviously Key looks like he's finally figured something out. Reynolds struggled most of the year and is finally putting it together. Most likely that back issues resolve. Uh, Paguero. Paguero, yeah, Paguero. 
if he can give you over a full season what he's given you since he's been promoted, you take that in a heartbeat. I still think yeah, Dave Curry's coming day. back. Yeah. yeah. Once Davis and he looks great. Yeah. And, yeah. And, he, and he's had really good at bats. The results aren't totally there, but he's never looked overmatched. Again, like you said, Nick, it's easy to find reasons for confidence in these young hitters. The pitching is a completely different freaking story, man. Like just, ugh. And real quick about Davis, like the, the hand injury, like it, it does make a lot of sense. Like looking back at how his play was since the all-star break, yeah. uh, the power just completely disappeared. Really since that, that game, when he hit the two home runs yeah. off of, off of Otani from that game until the time he got put on the injured list, he hit like 125 and slugged like 250. And yeah, I, I know if you're listening to this, if you've never like played or coached baseball, you might not get it, but there, I would argue there is nothing more important to being a good hitter than your hands. You've mm-hmm. got to have quick hands and you've got to be able to get that bat through the zone in a hurry. And if you're having hand issues, that's not going to happen. And yeah, I think that's I mean, you got to grip the bat too to hit yeah. with the power. You've got to grip it and they've <laughs> got to be quick through the zone. And if your hand's hurting, you're not gripping the bat and you're not going to be quick through the zone. You're going to be late on everything, which is going to lead to what we saw a bunch of ground balls and balls at people. And yeah, I. And it was his throwing hand, right? Yeah, I believe it was his right hand. Because it made sense because his his throws also yeah started going very south. inaccurate, um, which you know kind of expect from the catcher going into the outfield, different footwork, that sort of stuff. But again, it was a regression with that. So you know, I don't want to say it's good to it's good that he's hurt, but it's good to know that. There probably was, you know, a serious issue there that was causing his lack of production. And just like he did last year at double A with the broken hand or wrist, I can't remember what it exactly was, but it was a, it was a wrist issue. He downplays this stuff apparently in, in the clubhouse to, to, because he wants to play, you know, he wants to be out there and he wants to play and, you know, he wants to work through it because he knows it's a 162 game schedule and players got to do that type of thing. But you know, at the end of the day, like next year's 162 are going to be a lot more important. So mm-hmm. him healthy and, but also we need him not, you know, when you're, when you're playing hurt, not only is there obviously a risk of, of getting more hurt, but also starting the bad habits because you're, you're compensating to, you know, to cover up that, that potential um, hurt that is going to come through your body. Right. So, you know, it, we just take a break, Henry, get healthy. We'll see you in September. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get that, we see that power back. And you have to figure, you know, the age, the fact that he was number one overall, that adds to it too. You know, he feels that pressure and, uh, you know, it, uh, hopefully we have a healthy Henry Davis into 2024. And, um, it, you know, it, we, one other thing on Davis, I just want to go with something you said, Nick. Again, with the ability to feel more confident in where they're going with the lineup than with the pitching, like you said, like he struggled being like, all right, he had a hand injury. It's a lot easier to take his struggles and just not be concerned than it is with Ortiz, with Contreras, with Jones, with Solomedo, with these other pitchers who both in the majors and in the minors have just been bad yeah terrible and you know I, I think it sounds beat up but uh it is i think a good thing that we are finding out that there's an injury 
um, like Nick said. But my sour pierogi, kind of along the same lines. I'm just going to go Andy Haynes in general because you do feel a whole lot better about this lineup than you do about the arms in this organization. But the frustrating part is just the mismanagement that we see on a day-to-day basis. Uh, You know, philosophy mismanagement there as well. So I'm going to go Andy Haynes. Just the hitting philosophy in general because this is not it. Marty, what do you got top of the trolley? Top of the trolley, I mean, I this is low-hanging fruit, so since I'm the first one to go, I'll take it. Um, it it's Oviedo, man. What a start. What a start. Just dominant. That was as good a start as we've seen from any Pirate pitcher this year. Even that stacked up with Keller's complete games. Um, two hits. I mean, only issued, what, one or two walks. Um, was just dominant. Came out against a bad team, put his foot in their throat, never relented. And shoved, and I just I, I'm so high on him. I've always been high on Oviedo. I'm very high on him still. I think Yoan Oviedo can very quickly become one of the more underrated and underappreciated starting pitchers in the National League. To an extent, he's probably already getting there. But yeah, what what a start from Yoan Oviedo, man! And just I Oviedo, just he's a dude who's easy to like. Like you see him talking about how important it is to get mom and dad into the states with him into his games. And you in the interviews talking about how he doesn't like hitters and they make him angry. Like he's just a cool dude who's easy to like, also. So, and he just, and he just I think part of the two, though, Viedo, you look at him, he looks like that big workhorse. I'm going to take the ball every five days. I'm going to throw 200 innings. You know, he just, he looks like that. Like, yeah, g- give me Oviedo's top of the trolley, man. What a start. What a start by Oviedo on Monday night. Well said. Well said. You know, this is a guy that just, Biggest smile in the world. Wears his heart on his sleeve. The social media posts in the locker room. You just, you, you just get excited about stuff like that because, um, you know, in a state of, of pitching like we're facing right now, you don't have a lot of that. And for a guy that um, has seen ups and downs at times, a guy that you know has this stuff and um, is possible, is capable of, of doing stuff like that, does it just to feel good night. And a sweep of Kansas City, my top of the trolley is going to be Lyover Piguero. I might have taken him the last episode, but I'm going to double down here if I did, because um, just continuing to find his stride, we see the power, you know, we see good plate vision, just everything that, uh, that you would hoped when, I think that was the first trade of this regime. When that went down, Starling Marte shipped out. First major trade. Yeah. The Marte trade like a month before COVID shut the world down. Oh yeah. And I was going to say too, was that Brendan? Was it, it was Paguero and Malone returning in that trade, right? Yeah. And you know, that's another trade where, you don't feel excellent about uh, what they got in return as far as the arm goes. But if, if Paguero can work out, if he continues to uh, you know hit like this, you feel relatively decent about that trade. Uh, Nick, you're top of the trolley this week. Sorry, I had to step away. The, do- the dog was MIA. We were sure where he was. Uh, but Marty, what was yours? My, mine was Oviedo's complete game. But hold, I'm, I'm assuming – did you find Mace? Is, is he okay? Yeah, yeah, he's good. Um <laughs> somehow got I'm, I'm like not even sure how this happened but we're good so <laughs> he's he's one of a kind you know mace got a mace we got yeah, mace. We yeah. Got, yeah. <laughs> so uh top of the trolley for me is fi- finding my doc no um <laughs> i would say man it's tough it's tough with this. Not team. a lot of good. Tough <laughs> with this team right now. Um, You're welcome to use the minor leagues. The fact the Pirates just swept the series and we're struggling to find positives on this team, that's pretty damn telling. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I, guess I, can go, I guess I can go with Paguero. <laughs> I mean, I, just seeing him. I, actually, I took Paguero. Yeah, I mean, just seeing him take over the, the second base position for next year, essentially, after kind of even coming into this year, there's a lot of question marks around that position. We knew Castro was going to get an early chance, but even before, you know, the outfield Bay experiment happened, you know, that the thought was he would compete for second base and, um, you know, eventually Nick Gonzalez. So the, to see Paguero hopefully actually take that job um, and not us have to rely on, you know, a mixed bag of, of, top prospects who aren't performing, <laughs> you know, I think that, that, that's a good sign. And, you know, I think that, that home running at the other night, it was just, it's an impressive shot that, um, you know, someone of his size, especially, you know, not, you don't see that from, from a lot of players like that. Just a nuke um, and a great series. I mean, it was a sweep, you know, and it's, I think generally it's hard to maybe find some of the silver linings, but you know, in, in the micro here, it's been 20 and 20. It is a sweep of the Kansas city Royals and uh, you know, some really good starts there. Good offense, comeback win in game two, feel good. Uh, headed out of Kansas city. Let's do something different this week, guys, for a minor league minute. Did your gentlemen get the chance to vote in one of our great staff writers, maybe our most active staff writer, Nick Wright, Annually does uh, collects opinions on the top 10 prospects, uh, you know, gets everybody's take on on who they think is the top 10 prospects in this organization. I, I don't know if you gentlemen had the chance to uh, fill it out this week, but um, let's just kind of go down the list here. Marty, you want to take it away? Yeah, my uh, my top 10. Uh, I mean, Paul Skeens was everybody's number one um, of those of us. There's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of us who voted of the eight. Um, seven had Tamar Johnson at number two, and then all eight had Anthony Solomedo at number three. So a pretty clear cut at the top of the farm system there. Um, for me at number four, I won Jared Jones. I won John Suck Shim at five, your Donnie De La Santos six, Thomas Heron at seven, Mike Burroughs eight, Lonnie White Jr. nine, and Sung Shi Chang at number 10. That, that was my top 10. Um, you know, left some names on the cutting room floor. But ultimately, that was who I went with as my top 10 prospects in the farm system. And I will say, Trey, we talked about it off air a little bit. I know you're going to get to yours in a second, but I I should have joined you on putting Tony Blanco Jr. in mind. I kind of regret leaving him out, though. Uh, he's a young guy. No, I mean, there's definitely a lot of those. You can tell they're trying to build a wave of prospects in that age group there with Tony Blanco and Yordani De Los Santos and – um, you know, Suero, who they acquired um, from the Padres, and um, Severino, I believe, right? From, the, uh, from the, He was uh, in the Brewers deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, to, to see those guys performing and putting themselves in, in consideration finally to start being top 10 guys, it's, you know, it's good. And in general, I think it speaks about um, the international signing process um, the Pirates have taken on under head scout Junior Vizcaino and the, the work that they're doing um, and how it's paying off. Uh, you know, the, like Marty said, um, you know, he, I think you had, what, at least four international, like top international guys they've signed the last couple of years on that list. Um, I have three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chang, De La Santos, and Shim, but I, I said that the, the Trey had Blanco Jr. and his, and that was one that I definitely, yeah, yeah. I could easily see 
you know, yeah, right, right there, like right, the number right, 11 right, or 12. But yeah, yeah just, they're, 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 that is one thing. As hard as I've been on this front office, they have killed it in international free agency. Which is, you know, ultimately, if you zoom out, you look at the teams that win at that level, it's international guys. So, uh, you know, you feel great about that young 18, 19-year-old core they're building with those international guys. But, um, yeah, you know, maybe some judgment is deserved here. I wanted some high upside guys. There's a couple guys I'm looking at this now. I, uh, I don't know what state of mind I was in or what time of day this was. But uh, I had Paul Skeens, Termar Johnson at number two. And honestly, I considered – I don't know if it – is it a crazy take to think that – I know what Paul Skeens is going to be and whatever else. But, I mean, Termar Johnson, there, there's a split second where uh, you almost want to slide him into that one slot with how dominant he's been so far. Um, Anthony Solomato at three, Jones at four, Bubba Chandler at five. I had Hunter Barco at number six, uh, Chang at number seven, Blanco Jr. slid in there at number uh, eight, and then Mitch Jeb at nine, and uh, Burroughs closed it out at number 10. Uh, anything else you guys want to get to down in the minor leagues before we close it out here? No, it, it hasn't. On a lot of fronts, it hasn't been a pretty few weeks in the minors or performance of top prospects. So let's just let's just pass over that one today. Jared Jones hit uh, hits a hundred miles per hour recently in starts, and we didn't get to talk about Kyle Nicholas uh, moving to the bullpen. I know we teased that. Yeah, that that's a super interesting move. One that probably many of us kind of expected at some point to happen. Um, you know, when they acquired him in Jacob and the Jacob Stallings deal, he was kind of profiled as, hey, he's a starter, but probably a reliever at the big league level. And, you know, he has power stuff. So it's definitely, you know, a potential arm that could could be, you know, play a significant role in this team's bullpen next year. Yeah, Jared Jones, like you said, hitting 100 at AAA, but he also has an 11% walk rate and a 546 ERA. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Who else was in that Stallings deal? Was that? Um, it, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that it's Zach Thompson or Connor Scott. Oh, that's right. Zach Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a big league ready headliner or whatever we want to call it. It depends what it is. You're like, oh. The return they're going to get for Stallings is going to be incredible. And then I was like, huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is what they got, huh? Yeah. Well, like Kyle Nicholas. Thompson, it, all, it all hinges on what your definition of a big league pitcher is rather than a big ready addition. <laughs> he pitched in the big leagues. Uh, <laughs> but hey, Kyle Nicholas into the bullpen, and we're seeing a lot of upside there. So, um, you know, hopefully, gentlemen, the next time, uh, you know, we get on here next week, things are uh, continuing to turn up. The Pirates right now are eight and a half games out of the playoffs in that uh, National League wildcard race. They're 11 and a half games out of first place in the National League Central. And we got a whole month of September coming up. Until next time, for Nick Caparoso and Marty Lee, my name is Trey Entity. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode of Rum Bunter Radio. One more time, guys, go check us out, rumbunder.com. You can find everybody's rankings of those top 10 prospects over there, along with all kinds of great work coming out on the Oviedo uh, Complete Game Shutout, what is going to happen with this pitching in the month of September, and everything else as we gear up for what is hopefully uh, you know, monumental offseason for this franchise. But until then, guys, follow us on Twitter as well, at rumbunter. We will see you next week. The Pirates, uh, a sweep of the Kansas City Royals. Have a great weekend, everybody. And let's go Bucks.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.